Welcome to Section 9, where we talk about IT and information security. I'm Damian Hull. And I'm Dorothy. And today we're going to talk about the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, or the CSF. And you and I have talked about this years and years ago, and I said something like, I don't get it. I don't understand the cybersecurity framework. Now, we've talked about the critical security controls. Both of these are cybersecurity frameworks. So we should talk about what a framework is before we jump into the NIST cybersecurity framework and why, why I'm looking at this thing. So a cybersecurity framework is an organized list of best practices. And so what they're trying to get you to do is, um, well, I should say that people who are way smarter than I am have put these things together. The critical security controls, the NIST cybersecurity framework, there's others out there. But again, they are an organized list of best practice. And these are the things that are going to help keep your organization safe and secure. They're going to make it harder for an attacker to get in. And they're going to make it slightly easier for you to manage things. And they're going to cover things that sometimes people tend to forget, which is things like disaster recovery, um, business requirements, things that maybe IT people don't necessarily think about because IT people are more uh, focused on implementing the server, the network, maybe the security tool, but they're not aware of things like business practices or uh, things that are necessary for disaster recovery. And so that's where your uh, cybersecurity framework comes into play. It's going to help you with all of that because it covers all of that. Now, what I found tricky when I started looking at, at uh, security frameworks is that uh, I didn't understand how to do something with them and implement them because there are sort of gaps in what it's telling you. Now, in the case of the critical security controls, they're more specific than most frameworks. But even then, I mean, they can be common sense things to do, but how you implement them, that's a total different story. That's part of it, but I wouldn't go uh, uh, into common sense because what I tend to find out is that a lot of people in IT, especially those who are starting out, the common sense thing is, oh, it's working. We're, we're fine. No, but when I say common sense, it's like people should know, for example, I'll just give you what I th consider IT common sense. You should have two-factor authentication if you want to be more secure. So the the things that those those frameworks have is, you know, like you said, a list of things that will make you more secure, but implementing them, even some of them that are basic concepts, become complicated you know, when you're looking at a network with different needs for every, you know, customer or whatever, but they need to have that concept applied in their network. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, they're common sense because they make sense. <laughs> yes and no. So I get where you're coming from. The two-factor authentication example is a really good one. Oftentimes people will say, oh yeah, we should have two-factor authentication. But then when you look at how they implement that, it's usually a little goofy, hmm. or maybe they didn't do it in a way that that applies to all the things. And so you may have some users that don't are not required to have two-factor authentication. So there's a lot of that going on. But uh, again, you know, when we look at uh, frameworks in general, they're going to be a list of best practice, things that are going to help the organization, help keep you safe and secure. And then it's a checklist. So if you're not aware of, of what kinds of things you're supposed to be doing to, to keep an organization safe and secure... 
the framework is going to give you a, a, a guideline. It's going to be your guideline or your checklist, again, uh, of things that you need to be doing in order to keep the organization safe and secure. Now, where I kind of had an issue in the past and why I think that the critical security controls, at least on the surface, was a little bit easier for me to understand and maybe not so much now, and we'll get into that in a minute, but usually a framework is going to be broad, general, and it's not going to tell you use product A to achieve two-factor authentication. Use product B for antivirus or endpoint protection. It's not going to tell you that. So it's going to say two-factor authentication. Maybe it's going to say something along those lines. But it's your job to figure out how you're going to implement two-factor authentication. And the reason they do that is so that you can have a framework that applies in lots of different situations. If the framework is too specific, it's only going to apply to a handful of situations, and you can't, you can't just give that to everybody. So in the case of the NIST cybersecurity framework, it's a little bit more open-ended than I would say the critical security controls are. Now, that's not to say that the critical security controls aren't open-ended. They are, but they're more specific about what they want. And so... But, but they also apply to everyone. I mean, it's something that everyone can implement, like patching your, your systems, it, for example, or, you, you know, uh, basically even the first six that we did... That is something that can be accomplished by everyone regardless of. So, yes, there is more specific, but they're also applying to everyone. Exactly. It does apply to everyone. They don't exclude anyone, I should say. Exactly. So, uh, again, uh, both frameworks can be used by anybody. And they're open-ended enough to where you can use them in lots of different situations. And you can adjust them to fit your needs. Uh, I just think that the NIST cybersecurity framework is a little bit more open-ended and less specific than the critical security controls. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And I have I have had people tell me that it's a little easier to implement the cybersecurity framework or the CSF, as I'm going to call it from now on. Uh, and the reason for that is that, again, it's a little bit less specific than the critical security controls. Can you give us an example where you felt that it was harder for you, like... What was it like? You tackle one item of it, and then you decided. Or so let's because... go. Let's go over this here. So let's kind of define some things in the CSF, and then we'll talk about what they mean. So the CSF has uh, functions, and then it gets more specific. We're not going to get into specifics this time around. We'll do that later on. But here are the broad functions they have. You have identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. So you're, you're going to be doing things in the identify um, function. You're going to do things in the protect function, the detect function, the respond function, and the recover function. So in identify, you're going to identify what you have. And that's hardware, software, data, business needs. Apps. Um, part of software. Yeah. Um, so you're going to identify all the things that you have. And the business needs portion, again, is one of those things that IT is not really going to understand because that's not their job. That's somebody else's job. So you have to incorporate management into the process if you want this to be done the right way. Then we have protect. This is where you uh, take what you've identified in terms of business needs, software, hardware, all of that, and you're going to come up with controls that are going to help you protect those uh, assets. You know, you're going to have 
uh, endpoint detection and response solutions. You know, it's kind of like AV, uh, and you're going to have maybe uh, user permissions. You're going to have your two-factor authentication. All of that's going to be in the uh, protect phase or or uh, function. And then we have detect. This is a little tricky, uh, but this is where you're going to be detecting issues if there's like alerts for errors that are happening within the organization in terms of maybe there's an error on your Windows 10 machine or maybe there's a server that's not functioning properly. You want to be able to detect those kinds of things. And then you're going to also want to detect anomalies that could potentially be attacks happening, you know, malware, uh, hackers trying to get in, executing things that they shouldn't be, those kinds of things. So that's the detect uh, function. And then we have the respond. This is where we get into incident response. So without detection, you can't do response. Where does risk assessment fall into? We'll get to that later. Hmm. So let's just go through the functions here because we want to have that broad overview. So in the respond category, you're going to take those alerts and you're going to have a process by which you uh, investigate and identify potential attacks within the organization, you know, actual security uh, incidents. And then in recover, this is where you do disaster recovery. Um, And this is where you start thinking about your backups, uh, disaster recovery site, maybe you want a second data center in case the first one goes down. But this gets a little tricky because... You're going to be basing your disaster recovery on business needs as well as IT needs because you want to make sure that you're recovering the items that are most important. For example, if there's earthquake, fire, something happens, security incident, what things have to be up and running quickly? And so, again, going back to that identify piece, you can't really do perfect or um, you can't really plan for disaster recovery until you have identified those business needs and all of the assets and things that you have so that you're making sure you're recovering things the way they're supposed to be. So if we if we look at the way this thing is laid out, identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover, identify has to be done first because you can't protect what you don't know you have. You can't uh, detect things until you know what you have. You can't respond to things until you know what you have because all of that stuff uh, relates to the things you have. In other words, how do I implement detection? Well, I have to have that on all my workstations, on my servers. Maybe there needs to be something on the network side. You can't implement that unless you know how many workstations do we have? How many servers do we have? What kind of a network do we have? And what kind of network detection can we implement? So all of this is related and it goes in order. So you want to do identify first, then protect, detect, respond, and recover. And As you can kind of sort of see here, we're doing a high-level overview of all of this, but uh, it covers all of the basics. And then again, when you actually look at the framework itself, you're going to see it gets way more specific. We're not going to go into specifics this time around, but in the actual framework, they have like spreadsheets and things and PDFs you can read, and it actually goes into more specific things and more categories that you have in terms of business needs, uh, protection, and all that kind of stuff. So... um, Again, it's not as specific as what you might see in the critical security controls, but it gives you, a, you know, what it, it gives you those areas that you need to focus on. It and points some of, you in the right direction. It points you in the right direction. So in this, in this sort of phase of the CSF, the way that we're looking at it, we're just doing a high level overview. And I think that the, these categories or these functions are good for anybody in IT to understand at least a little bit because identify, protect, detect, respond, recover is kind of basic. You know, if you want to be able to do IT properly, you need to know these six things. 
If you don't know these six things, then you're just implementing a Windows 10 workstation. You're implementing a server. You're implementing a switch. But there's no context in, in terms of where does that fit into the overall bigger picture. And so if you want to engineer an entire solution, you need to think about identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And then when you talk about um, risk assessments, those risk assessments are part of the process, but they're going to go into some of these uh, different functions. And so later on, we're going to get into where does risk assessments apply? How do you implement those things? How, does those, how do those things function? So I have another question in the recovery part of it. Um, you know, there is that business part of it that you need to know. Does the IT, does this fall on the IT engineer to do or or does somebody from business management needs to be involved in that respect or you know business has to be involved and so this is where i think a lot of it people get it wrong is they think that oh i have all i need because i'm the it person i know all all the things about it well number one it's hard for anybody any one person to know everything there is to know about it because it is complicated second you're implementing IT solutions for the business. And so what the business needs to function isn't something that you're necessarily going to understand unless somebody tells you. Does the business person know they have to tell IT this? Just like you just informed our supposed IT guy that is going to be doing this, that he needs to know that part of the business does the business part need to know they need to be a part of the IT process in this respect? It depends. If you have people who are uh, or have a background in business, they're going to know some of this stuff. They're going to know that, hey, I have business needs. I need to make sure those business needs are met. Some of them are going to be outside of IT, but nowadays almost everything requires a computer of some sort. So some business people are going to know that they're going to have to talk to IT. Most IT people have no business background, and so they're not going to understand those business needs, or they're not going to be aware that they have to go talk to the business people. So it has to be a collaborative effort. Uh, for most of what you're going to do on the IT side, there has to be a collaborative effort, and you're going to do that in the identify um, function. So when you're looking at uh, the the whole big picture, like what systems are important to the business, what data is important to the business, IT's not going to know that. So you can't, as an IT person, jump in and say, oh, that's important. Well, how do you know that? You're guessing. There's no way for anybody in IT to point to something and say, I know for a fact that that's important. You can kind of guess, but at the end of the day, it's a guess. And so you need somebody from the business side to come forward and say, yes, that's important to the business. These four or five servers, these are the ones that we care about. The rest, if they don't come back online within a couple of days, I don't care. But only business people can tell you that. You can't, as an IT person, tell yourself that because you may be wrong. And then one more question about the recovery, the disaster recovery plan bit part of it. Um, I know that people get assigned to do certain tasks when you're implementing a recovery disaster program, right? Or disaster recovery um, uh, part of the business. Um are they going to, you know, they have different people doing different tasks. Is business also going to be involved in that kind of thing? Like, would they have one business person saying, 
this is what you do here is the instructions from IT because IT needs this. If you want that part of the business to to do whatever it needs to do, or I'm just curious, you know, because... So let's take a step back here. So we're looking at the high level part of the framework. And so what I kind of want you to think about, and, and this is kind of helpful, I think, at least in terms of the way I do things and, and kind of, you know, in my current job, these are things we have to think about all the time. Identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. That's super helpful because now, you know, one of the things that, that you and I were sort of lacking is a way to sort of talk about certain things. Are we talking about identifying things? Are we talking about protecting things? Are we talking about detection or recovery? You know, so now we kind of have, uh, in the case of the CSF, we have functions we can talk about. What function are we talking about? Identify, protect, respond, recover. When you get into the implementation portion of this, that's a, that's a big one. And that's where a lot of organizations fail because they don't understand how to implement these kinds of things organization-wide. One... IT and, and, and management oftentimes are not talking to each other. Second, oftentimes there's no policies, procedures, um, baselines, benchmarks, uh, what's the other one, standards. So IT is going to implement the business requirements because they're going to be technical ones on the IT side, right? I need to implement a firewall I have to implement two-factor authentication. And so when you you are going to implement these things in the identify section or the, the function, you are going to be identifying policies and procedures that you need to have and maybe standards. So a standard is going to be, this is the way we do our Windows 10 workstation. We're going to have, like in our case, we're going to have uh, Windows Defender, we're going to have... Uh, and you have you have a standard amount of apps and configurations that you want to get done for Section 9, for example. And all the laptops or workstations need to have the same thing. Exactly. And then as people come in to, not that we're a bigger organization, but in a big organization, as people come in and they have specific jobs, things get added on a need for those things. Like if somebody's in accounting... They have to have access to the accounting stuff. Somebody's in HR. They have to have access to employee records and users and whatever. So in addition to that, um, you know, that that's, you know, I understand that. But the basic part of it is what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And so when we look at some of the details of this later on, you'll see how, how some of this goes together. But again, it's all about understanding those business needs and making sure that you have policies procedures, standards, benchmarks that line up with those business needs, right? So I, I just think that part of the identify, you know, and that's why I kind of wanted to go to the um, disaster recovery stage of it because the very end of it gives you more of a big picture. But I think during the identify process, you need to identify who, what, when, and where needs to be doing what uh, needs to be providing or you know, doing certain things in order for this all to work. Because like you said, not everybody's going to, the IT guy's not going to know all the business stuff any more than the business guy's going to know the IT process. Exactly. So, so everybody needs to be on the same page to be able to to come up with an optimal result. 
Exactly. And so that's part of what you're going to do in the identify phase is you're identifying who's in charge of security, who's in charge of the IT, who's in charge of network, who's in charge, you know, um, and then you're also identifying who's in charge of some of the business things that are going to be needed for IT. So all of that happens in the identify phase. There's a lot's going on here. But again, we're just looking at the the overall big picture here. And so, again, I think that um, uh, the things that we are talking about today gives us a way to sort of think about how IT is managed and how we can have that conversation. So, again, we have identify, protect, detect, respond. So now when we think about, okay, what do we need in, in for Section 9 on the identify side? What do we need on the protect side? What do we need on the detect side? We can kind of have conversations about that. And then what's kind of cool about this is that you can just sort of chuck things in there. So on the detection side, we might say, hey, we're using 365 or uh, Defender for Business from, from 365. That's got some detection in there. Can we turn that on so we can have that in our detect uh, you know, function? So you can begin to see where these, this framework is kind of giving us a way of, of organizing our ideas in terms of how we want to manage uh, you know, the environment. Here at Section 9, we're tiny, but having this kind of helps because some stuff that we're doing is, you know, since there's only two of us, we have a lot going on with our VMware server. We have 365. We have some stuff on DigitalOcean. We have laptops. We have servers. We have lab environments that are kind of complicated. So how do we how do we use the cybersecurity framework, the CSF, to help us organize things? Again, I can talk about uh, detection with with Defender and 365 because I have a category to chuck things in, right? So now I can kind of generate a list of things I may want to have. So you can on, organize your items and and address them as you need as you go along for your exactly um, plan. And then you know, like you want to talk about recovery, we can chuck some things into recovery. We can say, hey, we have. Uh, backups or kind of, um, what do we call those, policies in 365 that deal with uh, data retention. So that you can begin to start adding that into disaster recovery and that we have, if I delete a file, if a fire happens, it's in the cloud, there's data retention policies I can recover. You know, So again, we've already identified a couple of things where we can say, I have something in the detect phase or the function, I have something in the recover function. Now let's talk about identify because that's really where we're going to start off. So a while back I talked about run zero. Uh, this is where we put an agent on the network. It scans the environment, detects some of the things that we have, and then um, puts that into in kind of a, a format that we can kind of search. And this is cloud-based. It's free. I think you can, you can have up to 250 devices, I believe, without having to pay for this. So for us, that's way more than enough. Um, I think one of the run zero agents that I had uh, installed is no longer functioning. Something happened to that. Lack of documentation, lack of management. Who knows what happened to the thing? Uh, one of them is actually running. And so it is detecting some things. I just haven't gone into the run zero uh, dashboard to kind of see what's going on with that and what's in there. But that's one way of detecting um, devices on the network. And then one of the things you have to be aware of too is that when you talk about devices on the network, some of those are going to be virtual devices. So you want to have a tool of some kind, something like Run Zero, that's going to detect all these things. So you can kind of identify what's on the network. And then if there are new devices, we want to be able to detect those too, because those new devices may be unauthorized devices that shouldn't be there, right? And so uh, if you look at the critical security controls, 
they want active and passive solutions to this particular situation where you're actively scanning for new devices could be something like uh, a vulnerability scanner nessus uh, or something else uh, nmap is another active scanner you could use that a little tricky to kind of use that on a regular basis because it's not really designed for that um, but that would be an active scanner a passive scanner is something that listens on the network for new devices uh, the critical security controls also mentions using dhcp so if you were going to line things up with the critical security controls, you have more things that you have to check off. And so you may say, well, uh, if we want to be fully compliant with the critical security controls, we're missing passive uh, a passive uh, tool for this. We're missing a DHCP component to this. We don't have that. So that right there, you're kind of missing things. So it's harder to uh, line yourself up to the critical security controls, whereas with with the uh, CSF, they just ask you to identify devices that you have in the network. And I don't think it's even that clear. They just want you to identify assets that you have. I just think why people may find them easier is because while it is broader, it kind of it gives you the opportunity to bring your game on, you know, like to, to the things that you're familiar with that you can identify and assess them in the different categories. And then when you revisit them, then you have, you know, a list of things that you can look at. So if we look at the identify piece, we're going to use run zero because mm-hmm. that's going to identify the devices that we have in the network. And then we can also use Automox as well because Automox is going to help us identify uh, systems and applications that we have installed on, on, on certain devices. So we have Automox agents on our laptops or Windows 10 laptops. We have them on our cloud servers on DigitalOcean. And so that's going to help us identify some of the applications that are, are installed on these uh, devices or these systems. We can also use uh, some tools within 365 to identify applications we have installed on some of these systems because uh, I think, and I haven't seen this yet or haven't looked at it in a while, there may be a way to look in, in 365 and because they have management tools for endpoints. So our laptops are joined to Azure AD, and there are some tools in there to manage those devices, and they may be able to see some of the applications that are installed on those devices, so you can kind of get an idea of what's in there. So that would be helping you to identify you know, your operating systems and also the applications that are installed on those particular systems. Uh, so again, we're, we're using the framework at a high level to already identify areas where we can start checking things off. You know, we're going to use Run Zero. We're going to look at 365. We're going to look at Automox. We have some detection things for uh, parts of the network where we use uh, Windows Defender. For the recovery side, we have uh, you know our data is in the cloud. We have uh, ways in which we can manage that data in terms of um, uh, oh no, I can't even remember what it's called now. But there's like versions of that, and we have policies in place within 365 to back up that or not necessarily back up the data, but we have. Uh, version control or or uh, other copies of that. So if I go to delete something, I can recover that. You know, what's really nice too is as you're making this list, you can also be making a list of um, what you have on your network that fits into those categories. Exactly. And I think that, that you know, even if you're brand new... Or an inventory. Yes. Yeah. And so even if you're brand new to IT, you can kind of understand, identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. And so uh, you don't have a whole lot of experience in IT yet. You're already being able to 
throw stuff into these different functions. So it's a really easy way of thinking about how you manage IT and security. And and even when you don't have a lot of experience, it's pretty easy to sort of chuck things in there. Right, you can use as what do you need and what do you have, and then kind of plug the holes. <laughs> exactly. And that's one of the things that we, we do with the cybersecurity frameworks is we look at, they call that a gap analysis. What oh. do you have in place? What's missing? Okay, let's fill that. Yeah. So that's one of the things I'm going to be taking a look at, at as well. Um, but again, in the beginning, we want to identify. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the identification side of things, looking at Run Zero and some of the other tools that we have. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Um, but one other thing that I wanted to sort of talk about before we uh, end this particular episode is that we are still having issues trying to come out with uh, an episode on a regular basis. Ran into a lot of issues the last couple of weeks. Didn't have time to do that. Um, but we're still moving forward because last episode we were talking about some of the issues we were having with uh, managing IT and st- stuff like that, where uh, I'm just not paying attention to things as well as I should be in terms of our Section 9 infrastructure with servers and cloud and in all these different things. And so I think that once we start going through the identify function of the CSF, we're going to be able to identify some of the things that we have, which is going to be interesting to you because there are some things that maybe you're not aware of. Happens all the time in IT where, you know, parts of IT are doing their own thing, other parts of IT are doing their own thing. And and so the two don't understand what's really going on. And when they meet, oftentimes by accident, people realize, oh, we have this new feature. I didn't know we had that. Or, oh, we're we're using this new product. I didn't know we had that. So in our case, because there's only two of us, it's beneficial that we both know what's going on. Hmm. Um, anything else you want to add to all of this? No, I find it very interesting. Let's see here. Yeah, I think that's it for now. If you have any comments or questions, you can email us at uh, support at section9.us. If you want to take a look at our show notes, they will be on the website. And if you haven't subscribed, please do so. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.